BetQLU of the college basketball season is presented by BetMGM. As always, bet up to $600 risk-free. Open up a BetMGM account using bonus code ELI600, and your first bet is totally risk-free, up to $600. And also, if you want another BetMGM promo, you could only use one, but you could also sign up and receive $100 in free bets when you bet $1 on a money line wager on either team, so Baylor or Gonzaga tonight, to win the national title. And whichever one, if whoever you bet turns out to win it all, you'll get $100 in free bets. Just be sure to use bonus code ELI100 when you make your first bet to take advantage of this great offer for new users only. New users only, paid in free bets. At the Tom Casali on Twitter, myself, at Eli Herskovich, it is the last college basketball betting podcast for BetQLU this season. We're going to break down the title game for you in 10, 15 minutes and get out of here with some futures and some looks for next season for some teams to monitor this offseason as the transfer portal has already gone berserk. Tom, my man, it's national title game. It's the national title game tonight. How are we feeling? How you doing? Good. I mean, it's the game we've wanted all season. We were supposed to get it back in December. We did. It got canceled. Uh, you know, looking back now, it's kind of good that the game got canceled because uh, we get the anticipation of tonight's game. I, I can't wait. It should be a really good good matchup. I would the two best teams in college basketball. No doubt. I would like to apologize to UCLA fans, UCLA betters. For all the crap we gave the Bruins over the first four games of the tournament because 14 missed free throws from Alabama in the Sweet 16, 19 missed free throws combined between Bama and Michigan, 29 missed threes combined between the Tide and the Wolverines. They went 9 of 9 with shots between 15 and 19 feet. They shot over 55%. They had every tough two known to man. The game plan worked to perfection. UCLA was going to get inside the arc. That's where Gonzaga is most vulnerable. They wound down the shot clock and they hit tough shots. And credit to Gonzaga for getting to the title game. Obviously, Baylor dismantling Houston. What a shot from Jalen Suggs. But got to give a shout to uh, UCLA fans and backers because that was an impressive run despite the luck to get to the Final Four. And then just an impressive effort because Mark the Mark Few shrug set it all at the end of the game, just a few extra seconds for Gonzaga to win it. No doubt about it. It was a perfect game plan by UCLA and a perfect game. I mean, they couldn't have asked for for anything better. You know, they gave themselves a chance at the end. I just want to point out one thing because I saw someone mention it. I can't remember who now, but, you know, I criticize college coaches for coaching too much. How about Mark Few just letting the team go? You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, he, I like Mark Few because he doesn't call a ton of timeouts. He believes in his team. Um, he lets them play. And, you know, I think that's a big reason why they've made this title game. You know, I know they have talent, but that is a very well-coached team. And everyone wondered what was going to happen when somebody punched him in the mouth. Well, like you said, they punch back, and congratulations to them on getting to this title game. Yeah, and how about Mick Cronin, too? No, I was just going to say, a, a remarkable – listen – I've watched UCLA probably as much as any team this year. It just an odd way it turned out. And like I did mention, like I thought they were playing a little bit better at the end of the season. And I, that was talking about maybe winning one or two games at most in the tournament. At no point did this UCLA team show during the tournament that they were going to be a bucket away from reaching the title game. Just a remarkable coaching job. Double-digit performances, double-digit games for UCLA decided by one possession. And you got to think that's going to come back the other way next year. I'm sure some people are going to want to take a look at UCLA futures, especially if Chris Smith comes back, who he tore the ACL in, in conference play. But 
just an incredible run for the Bruins. But on to the title game tonight, my man. It is the most anticipated matchup probably since in terms of the two number one overall seeds and the best two teams in college basketball ranking-wise throughout the season since UNC and Illinois back in 05. Baylor-Gonzaga, this line sitting at uh, Gonzaga minus 4.5 at BetMGM. Baylor plus 165 on the money line and the total of 159. So I wrote this up on Odyssey. You can check it out there, Odyssey Sports. And over at BetQL, download the BetQL app to help you beat the sports books and give you all the sharp edges needed as well. By the way, BetQL has a five-star bet on Baylor plus four and a half. They make the line two and a half. So you get two points of an edge. It makes you want to take Baylor. The one area I think Baylor can expose Gonzaga, and it's not your traditional department because Gonzaga doesn't turn the ball over a ton. Bottom 40 uh, turnover percentage. And we saw a similar setup for Houston, right? And I was at ball for that. Houston doesn't turn the ball over a lot. And, but they did against Baylor, especially in the first half, before they started getting the ball down low uh, in, to begin the second half and kind of make a run. Baylor's ball pressure can really give this Gonzaga backcourt some issues, especially when they extend it. With Davion Mitchell, who's arguably the best on and off ball defender in college basketball, Jared Butler, either of those guys can stick with Jalen Suggs. This Baylor length can keep Drew Timmy out of the low post with Flo Thamba and Tom Latachua, probably not Mark Patel, but the former two, for sure could do it. Macy Oteague against Corey Kispert, maybe a little bit of a mismatch, but you know who can match up against a Kispert really well and has the length to do so is Matthew Meyer. So as much as I love this Baylor offense, and I think they can expose Gonzaga, which is what we'll get into in a second, this Baylor defense, I think, can give Gonzaga issues. Yeah, and I mean, Gonzaga hasn't seen guards like this this year because no other team has guards like this. So, uh, you know, that's going to be two things I'm going to be looking for early on in the game is that Baylor pressure, like you mentioned, the guards defensively. And are they having success taking Gonzaga off the ball? Because I thought UCLA had a lot of success. And, you know, we keep talking about if you want to find a, a weakness with the Zags, they're now giving up about 78 points a game against teams that, you know, on the upper echelon of their schedule. Uh, so that's a lot of points to be given up for an undefeated team. Now, those are the two things I'm going to be looking at early. It's going to come down to the Baylor guards because I think that's where they have the biggest advantage. You think about what the line was before the Final Four wrapped up. The line was sitting at five and a half. So Gonzaga was laying five and a half on the look-ahead line. Now it's four and a half. I think we might get a five before tip just in terms of the way public money and public perception could come back in on Gonzaga. Undefeated team. You have the game-winning shot from Suggs. Public betters, I think, are going to lean towards Gonzaga more so than Baylor. Maybe this handle is 60-40 where the money and the, the line still stays at, at four and a half. But we'll see what it lands on. You, you mentioned that Gonzaga hasn't faced a, a defense like this. On the flip side of the ball, I don't think Gonzaga's faced an offense like this that is so athletic in terms of getting to the basket with one of the best two-way guards. I mentioned how good Mitchell is as a defensive guard. He's one of the best dribble penetrators in college basketball because of his foot speed. It also translates to defense, like I keep bringing up. But he can really get to the rim. And Gonzaga's biggest defensive liability is inside the arc. They're giving up the 40th highest two-point scoring rate. So that's every single bucket from inside the arc. If they can get Drew Timmy into pick and roll situations and even pick and pop. Timmy's footwork is not great for a, for a 6'8", 6'9", big that is very finesse and has a lot of good footwork down low at the offensive end. If you can get Timmy in pick and roll situations and Mitchell's a great pick and roll guard, I think Baylor can really expose this Gonzaga 
defense because of their quickness um, on the ball and off the ball, to your point, in terms of creating ball screens and and stuff like that for guys like Macy Oteague. I mean, UCLA did a great job of getting Johnny Juzang open looks because they just ran a screen for him and they got him switched off of Jalen Suggs. Yeah, Gonzaga had a lot of problems switching in that game. So, again, now they're playing a more athletic team with a lot more weapons. Uh, you know, I think the the key for Baylor is the they found their shot last game. They hadn't shot the ball well during the tournament from three, and they obviously they, they heated up against Houston. To me, that that's another one of the keys. If Baylor's hitting their outside shots, I think they have a really good chance to win this game. Um, because Gonzaga is going to want to play one way. They're going to want to play fast. I think Baylor is going to play fast at times uh, and then pull back a little bit. But to me, Baylor has a couple of different ways to win this game where Gonzaga has one. Yeah, right. And they have to score in transition to your point. That's why this, this Baylor defense is, it's got to play in the half court. It's got to be able to keep Gonzaga in the half court. I think Scott Drew said it earlier today that his biggest concern about this matchup is, Gonzaga's transition opportunities. If Gonzaga's pushing the ball up and down and, and Baylor isn't able to keep this more in the half court, yes, Baylor's going to want to run a little bit. But if Gonzaga's getting, you know, let's say 10 seconds of possession and they're scoring at will, they're winning this game by double digits. I just don't see it playing out like that because they haven't faced a defense like this. And also at the offensive end for Baylor, we keep bringing it up. And we, you know, it, it went the other way for me in the Houston matchup, but Baylor, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in college basketball. And I will give our guy Reed Wallach some credit because he brought up how Baylor is going to bring a max effort on the defensive glass, even though they're not an elite defensive rebounding team. And we saw that they out rebounded Houston in a bit, maybe by five or six boards, but that's not your typical Houston rebounding margin. So while Baylor is bottom 80, bottom 70 in college basketball and defensive rebounding percentage, and Gonzaga has a top 100 offensive rebounding rate. Baylor is more athletic down low. That we could say for sure. As good as Drew Timmy is down low in terms of his ability to create his, just his creativity underneath the basket, Baylor is much more athletic defensively. No doubt about it. The, you know, I, that to me is, is really like Houston is an athletic team, right? The very athletic. And Baylor just showed that they're in a different class all, all the way around. And, you know, I think Baylor wasn't the same team coming off of that COVID layoff, but their their talent at every position uh, is unmatched in college basketball. So I, this is going to be a, a hell of a matchup. The one thing I will say is this, though. There is so much talent on the floor tonight. There's a guy. There could be a guy on either side that just takes it over, right? There's so many good shooters in this game. I mean, Suggs could go for 35. Mitchell could go for 30. You don't know what's going to happen that way. So I think that, right. That, 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 that could be an X factor tonight. I think, and I think the X factor for Baylor, if they're going to, obviously it's Davion Mitchell with his two, way prowess, but I think it's Macy Teague. Teague has to be able to stretch the floor, shot one of five from three in the Houston game. I think he has a pretty big performance tonight. Because you got to think Ayayi is going to be on Butler and Suggs is going to be matched up on Mitchell. Now we mentioned it with UCLA. Baylor could definitely expose Gonzaga with that ball screen offense and ball screen continuity. But if T's going to get some open looks in this game, especially if, if Baylor's able to get some switches and can run Teague off some ball screens, there's going to be open looks for Teague. Because I think Gonzaga is going to have their defensive focus on Mitchell primarily in the pick and roll and the pick and pop and then Butler so you look at player props for Gonzaga. I believe the highest player prop point total is Corey Kispert at over under 16 and a half or Drew Timmy actually 
over under 21 and a half, and the under is a little juice there. Jalen Suggs over under 15 and a half. Then for Baylor, you have Butler 15 and a half, Teague 15 and a half, and then Mitchell is, I believe, the same 14 and a half for Davion Mitchell. Any any looks there at either of those six players or anywhere else on the board? Yeah, the two I'm looking at, I agree with you with Teague. I, I think he's kind of going to be the guy for Baylor who has a big night. So I like the over there. And to me, Suggs 15 and a half. I just think big players play big in these games. And, you know, he he's the best player on the team. He's going to probably be the number two draft pick in the NBA. I see him. I know I know he's going to have some issues with, with those Baylor guards, but I just see a big night from him too. Okay. Yeah. I, and I mentioned Teague. I don't necessarily agree with you on, on Suggs just because of the Mitchell matchup. But if Mitchell gets in foul trouble like he did in the Arkansas game, which could happen. Like we talk about these games like, no player is going to get in foul trouble, but it happened two games ago for Mitchell against against the Hawks. So if, if if Mitchell gets in foul trouble and you get Butler even switched on to Suggs, or if Butler's staying on whomever, I, I, I doubt he would stay on Ayayi at that point. It's probably going to be Suggs. But my point is, is that there could be foul trouble, which could expose this Baylor defense a little bit. But that being said, I am betting Baylor. I'm going to weigh down the five. If I don't get the five, I'll take the four and a half. I like Teague as a player prop. I lean that way if you're looking to take some player props. I think the over two and a half threes made for Teague is a little bit more value of plus money than taking his his point total over or points, rebounds, and assists. So any official plays from you, Tom, uh, looking at the total, full game total for this game or either of the team totals? The, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna take the Baylor over team total at 77 and a half. Um, you know, I, I don't have a strong play in this game. I didn't really have one in the final four either. I haven't just gotten the matchups I wanted. I really liked Baylor. If, if this game was in December, actually, Baylor would have been uh, one of my top plays of the year. Uh, but to be honest, that's before I knew how good the Zags were. And uh, one, one thing that's interesting, though, I will say this, is that – UCLA game was emotionally draining from start to finish. That went back and forth. It went into overtime. It'll be interesting to see if Gonzaga, the first 10 minutes of the game, is still looking to get, you know, get 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 back on track. If that's the case, I think Baylor even has a bigger edge. I do lean Baylor. I, I think four and a half, five is a little much on this line. I think it should be closer to about three. So I lean the Bears and I do think that they'll hit 80 points. So I'm gonna go over their team total. I'm not super, I, I do like that look for Baylor. I'm not super worried about an emotional lag in, at the beginning of this game or at some point in this game after that sort of a win. You are getting two games in three nights and there was the overtime game, but we see it all the time in conference tournaments. I think that's a little, putting a little too much emphasis on, on, on that. Maybe you're right. Maybe it does come to fruition, but I'm not super, I wouldn't be super concerned about that just because this is the national championship game, right? Like even if, if Timmy gets into foul trouble, just using another angle that happened in the UCLA game, I, I doubt Mark Few is cautious with that. Like this is, this is for all the marbles. So I'm not super concerned with that sort of an angle from a foul perspective. I know I just kind of threw that in there, but it did happen in the last game or from an emotional standpoint or from a, a tired leg standpoint, even in the second half. Yeah, and I don't think they'll be tired physically. I mean, they had a lot of pressure on them in that game. I mean, they were historic favorite, right? And UCLA brought it nonstop. So I will say that I think teams, and I worked for the Patriots the year they lost to the Giants, and after the year, talked to some players. 
I don't think people realize the pressure these guys have for an undefeated season. I know their focus is winning the championship, but their family members, their cousins, their everybody's talking about the unbeaten season. So I do think the Zags have a lot of pressure on them to complete this, finally get over the hump, win it all, and get that unbeaten season. Really quickly before we get out of here, Tom, that's it's very fair points. Title futures for next year. The numbers aren't out yet. We'll have a piece up on BeckQL. Download the BeckQL app again in the Apple App Store, Google Play, or or you could also check it out on Odyssey, odyssey.com, and in the sports betting section. Looking at some futures for next year, I'll let you go first. A couple teams, a team that you're looking at, depending on the number, obviously, but that you might see some value in for, uh, for the upcoming college basketball season. Sure. I mean, well, shockingly, Syracuse was going to be one of my picks, um, but uh, their best players don't want to play for Jim Beheim anymore, so they're already transferring out. Um, but I do think they will be a lot better next year. The team I'm looking at is Arkansas. It, you know, again, we're really early here. We're going to have to see what happens with some of their players, but they have enough young talent that I think they'll keep a, keep a couple of those guys there. And they just added um, Tony from Pitt, uh, I think a really big transfer. And we know Musselman's going to get a couple more transfers. I like where this program is going, and I think they have enough of a young nucleus, even if they lose a couple guys, to be a factor in the SEC next year. And then I know one, one major that we're both looking at before we get to one of my high major programs that I'll have pegged for a college basketball future most likely is Colorado State. Yep. They're bringing everybody back. And I know they missed the tournament, but that honestly plays more towards our favor, right? They lose to Utah State in the in the conference tournament, what, semifinals, I believe? So you're bringing everybody back. They have great guards, really good scores from the backcourt, Stevens, Roddy, uh, Moore as well. Like They could really light it up. You have one of the best up-and-coming coaches in college basketball in Nico Medved and a pretty underrated defense in terms of the mid-major ranks. So that's definitely a program that's going to be priced at around 200 to 1. Again, a really good backcourt that could score it. They're going to have more experience there. Boise State is not going to be what it was this year, even though they didn't even make the tournament. San Diego State is losing Mitchell. He's going to the draft, or he'll, he'll probably leave regardless. And then I believe Utah State is going to lose Kata as well. He's a senior for the upcoming season, or if he does come back, but I would expect him to leave. So that opens the door for Colorado State to win this conference, and I, I, I like that number. You're probably going to get 200-plus. Uh, before the season gets underway. Yeah, and when you say they're not losing anybody, you mean to, uh, they aren't losing anyone. They didn't have any seniors on the team. They were one of the youngest teams in college basketball, and I remember watching them early thinking that I kind of liked them, thinking for next year. But they were they ended up being a lot better this year than I expected. And you mentioned uh, Medvedev, the coach. I think that's the key. I, you know, I think people like us and maybe people who are listening realize how good he is, but I don't think the general public knows how good this guy is. He's going to be coaching at a big time school soon. And I think Colorado State is a live, live long shot next year. With you there. Well, the other feature I'm looking at is Purdue. I know Maryland just got Wahab from Georgetown, a Fats Russell from Rhode Island, but I don't think they have enough shooting. Now it could very well change with transfers, but I think they'll be a little overvalued in the market, and I don't trust Turgeon that much either. I do like Purdue, and I know you could say the same thing about Matt Painter, but he was, what, a game away, a couple seconds away from taking Purdue to the Final Four back two years ago with a really good score in Carson Edwards. Purdue is bringing everybody back. Aaron Wheeler, one of their backup depth wing guys, just transferred to St. John's. But unless Travion Williams goes to the draft, I don't see it happening. So if assuming Travion Williams comes back, who's one of the best, Back to the basket bigs in college basketball. You're getting Edie back, a seven foot four uh, freshman big. 
And then you have a really good score in Jaden Ivey, man, that could really take that next step and become one of the best players in the Big Ten and become one of the best players in the country next year uh, with his ability to create off the dribble and a, a decent jump shot, too, if that jumper improves a little bit. A pretty solid point guard in Eric Hunter doesn't turn the ball over a ton, can improve that a little bit, but not a super high turnover rate. And Stefanovic, too. You have a guy that could shoot it. And I love Gillis and Newman as well as a couple wings that could defend both freshmen that are going to take leaps next year as scores. So I think this Purdue team, they lose to North Texas in the first round in overtime. So what? Like that that happens. Like we saw a couple of years ago, a few years ago, I took Tennessee to win it all at 35 to one. They lost in the second round of Loyola. I'm always looking for a team that might be undervalued. Purdue lost to a North Texas team that shot a lot of threes and hit a lot of threes against Purdue in that first round game. And it was a coin flip game that went to overtime. So I think Purdue has a shot to have some value out of the big tie next year to win it all. Yeah. And this team's even younger than Colorado state. So <laughs> that's uh, I mean, there's only a few of those uh, that you can find and Purdue's one of them. Again, another team that loses nobody, assuming that Williams doesn't go to the draft brings everyone back. I'll be interested to see the number on this because a couple of the teams in the big 10 look like they're going to, you know, on paper, take a little bit of a step back. Michigan State will be vastly overvalued. We know that. Um, so I wonder how this is going to be set. Is it going to be 40 to 1? Are they going to drop it down to 30 to 1? Uh, opening number is going to be key here, but I do like Purdue in the Big Ten next year. I agree with you. I think them and Maryland are two teams to watch. By the way, your boy Nasir Brooks from Miami just transferred to Ole Miss. Will you be back in the Rebels in the futures market next mm-hmm. season? You know, I usually go anywhere as uh, Nazir Brooks goes. So, uh, <laughs> well, another team, Ole Miss is another team that we know will bring in about 50 transfers. And uh, the, the interesting team, though, in the SEC. I think the SEC has a couple interesting teams next year as well. We'll touch on it on future Beck QLU podcasts. But that's going to do it, man. And, Tom, I'll wrap up with some thoughts. But any last words for the great Beck QL listeners that have really helped us uh, grow over the last few months. Yeah, listen, we started this the week before the Super Bowl. I mean, it seems like we've been doing it forever, but it's actually only been a few. We've only done a few episodes uh, this year. Uh, We've got a a pretty nice following going. I have to thank everyone who's listened in. Uh, We expect to to start this much earlier next season. We'll do a couple in the offseason. And, uh, you know, hey, it's like I always say. Everybody talks college basketball in March. We talk college basketball all year long. So thanks for following. No doubt. And thanks for subscribing, rating, and reviewing the BetQLU podcast. Remember to stay subscribed because Tom and I will have podcasts coming in the offseason as futures, as numbers move, as the transfer portal starts to have some movement as well. We'll be talking about it on BetQLU. And we really appreciate everybody who subscribed again and really supported the live shows. Haven't done a lot of those of late because of our schedules, but we'll be doing live shows, no doubt, over the offseason and into next season. So for Tom Casale, at the Tom Casale, for myself, Eli Herskovich, at Eli Herskovich on Twitter, remember to stay subscribed to the Back QLU podcast.